Hey, Real Talk listeners. Happy New Year. I don't know. I'm going to continue saying that until, I don't know, February or some, sometime in February, maybe. Um, Michelle Hi, and I are here. <laughs> we are here talking about a really interesting topic. Michelle, we literally have seen such intense uh, conversations transpiring um, all over social media. Last year was the great resignation and the great reshuffle. And with so many people leaving, there was so much going on in the economy as well um, during that. And we've seen, gosh, in 2022 and 2021, you know, globally, an increase in inflation, right? And it's super uh, interesting, just to say the least, because there's so much inflation, but people's salaries haven't aligned to that. Michelle, that's crazy to hear. No, they haven't. Clearly what that means is that people who are living paycheck to paycheck, it's just going to get worse. It's a great example of why this saying, it continues to be true. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You have, for those out, those of you out there that are business owners, this is why you've got to look at what your current performance appraisal or how you are currently determining, determining starting pay and pay range for your employees. It's why you've got to look at all of that. I mean, we've never been, at least when I've been in the workforce, we've never been a society who effectively increased employee pay based on cost of living increases. I don't think I've seen that since probably my first quasi-professional job at a company called Kinko's. And then when Kinko's was purchased by another company, not FedEx, but a company prior to FedEx, we immediately went from that to you were lucky if you got a 10 cent bump every year. And if you got a 25 cent bump, you were like a rock star that worked all the time, right? And so society as a general rule or workforce as a general rule has never been really good at this. I think this is the time when you look at the great resignation, when you look at the increase in non-traditional ways that people can make money, i.e. I'm going to deliver food for Uber and I can do it in my own hours and not at a schedule you dictate. When you look at all of those elements, I think the first thing is you've got to go back and start to look at your pay ranges, but you also need to look at your pay increase process, whatever you call that. Because there's no question that pay increase needs to be partially based on cost of living. If you want your employees to come in and give you the same effort they did the year before, there should be that kind of thought or alignment, but it should also be based on individual's performance. So it's got to be a combination of both. Like you reward those that grow and learn and jump ahead, but you've got to reward everyone if you want them to come in. I want to pause a second. 
you guys have probably learned at this point when I talk slower, it's because I'm thinking through my thoughts while I'm talking, which I hate to do. But there was a quote that I read once, and it was a quote that we use a lot when we are teaching leaders about situational leadership. And it's the idea that your intention is irrelevant. The intent of your action as a leader is irrelevant. How the follower receives your message is how they're going to behave, right? So it doesn't matter if I say something with great intent. If they perceive it as a slight, then they're going to act based on the fact that they think I just insulted them, right? Or if I say something trying to be a jerk and yet they take it as a compliment, they're going to receive it as if it's a compliment. So it really is about what's in the head of your follower, not what you want to do. And I think the same thing sort of applies when it comes to the overall workforce. If you want your workforce to give you the exact same effort and energy that they did when they were first on the job or their first year or their first six months, then you as an employer have got to find ways to continue to make their job as exciting as it was when they first got it. And whether that is financially by compensating them appropriately so that they continue to live the life that they're accustomed to, or whether it's giving them growth and development or promotional opportunities, whatever that is, if you cannot keep them in a space where they're excited to be at your place of employment, then don't expect them to continue to give you the same effort they did. I agree. It's interesting because we've talked about this, um, Michelle, and it's interesting you put it in to situational leadership because... (laughs) I mean, how many challenges do we continue having? And situational leadership is going to be essential for businesses for many years. I don't think there there is a point in time where everyone is going to be successful and and sit lead. I just don't. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think so either. And I think it's because most leaders aren't willing to do that effort. And even though you and I teach it and and Keith even has, has and continues to teach it, there are still moments where, oh my God, it's such a headache to have to think about every single person being in a different place. But if you don't practice it constantly, you don't. And that's ultimately, guys, that's all situational leadership. I guess that's the easy way of boiling it down is I can remember at one of my first jobs, I was asked to describe my leadership style. And I didn't. I Well, at one of my first leadership jobs doing the interview. Um, I didn't describe it. And my answer was, it depends. And they thought that was the weirdest thing ever because up until the early 2000s, and there still are people who advocate that you have a leadership style. You do. You have something that you are most comfortable with. But the truth is, your style is irrelevant. If you want people to do the job you want them to do, then you've got to find a style that meets their needs. And that applies, like you said, to business as well as individuals. You've got to do the smart thing and look at your company as a whole and do look at the averages for sure, because that's the easiest way to set bigger policies 
for your organization is to look at what fits for the most part, but you've also got to build some flexibility into that so that you can address individual needs. Like I remember being asked by a leader once why I thought it was okay that someone just wanted to be a driver for the rest of their lives and had no ambition to do anything else. And my only question was, do they do it well? And if they do it well, what the hell does it matter? Continue to reward them for doing the job you hired them for well. Everyone doesn't need to be the next director, the next vice president, or the next CEO. So there has to be enough flexibility that your plan accommodates those outside of the average. But of course, you build your policies based on kind of the the greater good of the company and the customer and the employee. It's true. I think that's important. I'm going to give credit where it is due. So if you guys didn't know, one of the hazards of working from home is children and pets. I'm going on a bit of a tangent right now because one of my goals on the podcast this year is to let you get to know us a little bit more. And my dog at this moment will not stop tackling my arms because he wants to be petted. So I cannot get to the thing I'm looking for because he will not leave me alone. So outside of yelling at him, I needed to tell you that story (laughs) until I could distract him. Okay, so over the last, I would say, maybe quarter, for some, we might be pushing six months, but, but not for many. It's been fairly recently where we've heard a significant number of businesses announcing pay increases for all employees. And recently, there was a lot of discussion around McDonald's in particular as a fast food industry increasing their pay for their employees. Now, I want to pause for a second before I read this because guys, as HR professionals, we would like to just remind you and McDonald's overall has a huge HR group behind them. So I'm sure they took this into consideration. But if you're our target audience for our customers with real talent, you're probably a medium to small business and you might not have the workforce behind you or the HR department behind you to tell you of this, but it's not as easy as saying, I'm going to increase everyone to $15. Even if the people that currently work for you get a pay bump, there are things that you need to consider from a skill set that might mean their pay bump should be bigger than someone you are hiring off the street who doesn't have experience. So if you are in a situation where you're hearing this discussion and you're like, maybe it is time for me to look at increasing the pay that I bring others in at, please stop before you do that because potentially what might happen is a lot of disgruntled existing employees who end up walking out on you because they've worked for you for five years and they had to work their butt off to get to this $15 and now you're just willingly giving it to someone who doesn't know how to do it. So Skill and experience matters when it comes to pay. You can't just pay an inexperienced person the same amount. Maria, do you want to pipe in 
I just wanted to add that disclaimer. No, I think I think that's that's correct, right? When you take a look at salaries, when you're when you're making offers, you weigh out: Do they have a degree? What level of a degree do they have? Do they have previous experience? What level of previous experience do they have? And that should be based on where they fall within a compensation range. Now, it's interesting because some companies are really pivoting that. And they're, you know, going high in their compensation, they're offering everybody who comes in the same compensation. And they're going sometimes even above internal equity and creating inequity in their organization. And now these new hires uh, that are coming in, some of the experienced people have to train them, but they're making more than the experienced people. So creates challenges, Michelle. It does. Um, So unless you want to end up in a cycle where you have to hire new people. And as a result, your quality, your productivity, and probably the customer experience will decline as you start to train those new people without the experience. Just pause and ask an expert before you get over your head. Okay. Anyway, so this was an actual, um, it was a response to a comment on a post in regards to minimum wage or in, a, in regards to hiring rate going up to $15. And it says, it's sad how people say things like, quote, why would a fast food worker get paid $15 an hour when a paramedic gets paid $15 an hour and actually saves people's lives, end quote. So that was the comment in response. So then this person continued to say, perhaps instead of that question, we should be asking, quote, how come a paramedic gets paid $15 an hour while a 30-minute ambulance ride costs $900? It really ultimately looks like the fast food worker, the paramedic, and the person being transported to the hospital are getting screwed. But instead of being mad at the system, they're getting mad at each other. So Dana Donnelly posted that as a response. And it actually started a a long discussion with you and I, Maria, one that we probably should have been recording because it was pretty good, but we wanted to be a little more prepared than that random discussion. And that discussion is, it is ultimately, we are mad at each other, right? But we're mad at each other because, so the skill, and I worked in fast food, so I'm not saying anything negative about somebody who works in fast food. Worked there, did that twice in my life, actually. But the level of skill and knowledge to save someone's life in a non-hospital environment is completely different than the skill you are applying if you are taking a fast food order or cooking a fast food sandwich. This is not me saying that it doesn't matter because I eat fast food multiple times a month, okay? So we want you to be able to do your job well, but in reality, to be able to save a person's life with limited equipment, limited resources in a probably high-pressure environment without a hospital around you is sort of a different level of skill. Can we all at least agree on that? Great. But instead of saying you don't deserve $15 because that's all I make, 
perhaps the question should be, why is that all I make? You're asking the wrong person the questions. The question isn't, why is our military paid entry line equivalent to a fast food worker? The question is, why isn't our military paid for their experience? Why aren't you paid for your skill? Not why am I not paid an effective cost of living? That's true. And I think as inflation has continued to grow, maybe $15 for an EMT back in the day was appropriate. But as inflation continues to grow, maybe it's not. But I think, like you said, challenge the system because if we now double that EMT salary to, let's say, $30 an hour, now your ambulance ride that you said costs a couple hundred dollars is now going to be, you know, even more like another couple hundred dollars more, right? Like the healthcare system will then increase, which that's already absurd. So that actually, Maria, your point leads us to really what I think we're going to see play out over the next several years. And for a number of people, it is going to be detrimental. And it is the fact that while that fast food workers pay is increased, which helps them live a little more effectively day to day, right? The paramedics did not. And yet, to your point, the cost of living over the past two years has increased almost 15% if you figure in both years, right? And so now we've got this paramedic who got zero increase in their hourly rate, who is now paying for a ridiculous or an exorbitant amount of money for a head of lettuce. And so now where he may have, he or she may have been living prior to that, they're now going to start to struggle because what's going to happen every single time a massive organization like Amazon or McDonald's or Costco increases starting prey across the board, what's going to happen to your point about the healthcare is something in the economy is going to increase to reap the benefits of that increase in pay. And it it will vary depending on that actual need. Like in this Example, obviously, you can see the direct line to how healthcare will increase, but it could be an increase in the food supply industry. It could be an increase in the clothing industry. It could be everywhere that it goes up. And so now people who were getting by by the skin of their teeth are going to start to struggle because their pay has not gone up. And we've now turned this cycle into this whirlwind of can't win. It's literally the chain of the events, Michelle. The rich will continue getting richer and the poor will continue getting poorer. (laughs) So So how do we fix this? Because here's the reality. So I actually recently had an opportunity to do the math. And yes, as I promoted during my career, obviously my expenses increased. So when I started out my career, I was unwilling to have a car payment. So I went for a used car that was 
pretty inexpensive. Obviously, as I started making more money, I was willing to spend more money. Actually, last month was the first time in my entire life I was willing to spend money on a car payment. But whatever, you get the point, right? As your income goes up, you start to say it's okay not to buy ramen noodles. I'm now actually going to buy the supplies that I need to make my own meal. Or I'm going to go to a restaurant this week instead of cooking at home every single day. Or I am going to enjoy that glass of wine, which means I have to bottle buy wine, which I normally wouldn't have done before, right? So obviously my cost of living gets more as I go up. But I recently had a reason to sit down and look at what the minimum I could live on would be. Like if I wanted to live simply, just with the bare minimum of what made me happy, not struggling, but the bare minimum of what made me happy. And guys, $12 doesn't do it. It doesn't do it for anyone. And I have no children. Having children would have changed that expenses dramatically. I'm also at the very end of my mortgage. So I know that within the next three years, that entire payment will come off of my expenses. Like I'm in a place in my life where people starting out are not. They have the car payment, they have the rent and or the mortgage, whatever it happens to be in their case. They have children, they have expenses and $12 doesn't pay them. However, Maria, like, could you imagine the economic disaster if everyone just bumped up starting rate? You know, I think that's transpiring little by little, but like, yes, if it happens globally, I think it is an economic disaster if, you know, but but I think it's an economic disaster right now, right? Because, you know, if your grocery store bumps up their their rates, then your head of lettuce is $15, you know, or whatever, something stupid I'm making up. But, you know, maybe Susie down the street didn't get a, price, a rate increase, uh, you know, for her compensation, a salary increase. So this creates a current disaster as well. It's pretty intense, you know, like we shift around all of these, you know, equity pieces. But I think if companies are going to do it, we need to work as the masses transpire. Uh, federal minimum wage hasn't gone up very much in years, um, interestingly enough, and um, but inflation has, and we continue to see cost cost of goods to continue increasing, and the wealthy continue getting wealthy. And it's interesting because we were just talking about like how like the auto industry, for example, like the executives and people higher up, they'll get they'll get free cars, you know, every month with their insurance paid off. And they're the ones that actually can afford to purchase a vehicle if they wanted to. Whereas the people like at the entry level making the vehicles will only get the discounts. Like it's, it's, it's a continued vicious cycle of like, how do we get out of this? Now, I know we have different types of listeners with different demographics and I totally get it. So I'm not getting into the politics of it all, but we do need to consider that if we are increasing the cost of goods, that's a risk to the populations surrounding who maybe aren't getting compensation increases. So things to consider as businesses grow. Here's the other risk. And you and I both know that 
there are going to be some significant hiccups if there were to be a federal increase that was too dramatic, right? But let's take it, let's not even talk about life-saving roles like a paramedic. Let's, let's keep it for a second at a fast food level or a restaurant level, okay? Actually, let's keep it to fast food because in dining restaurants, we, I don't even want to talk about the compensation in those environments because, wow, that needs to be addressed. But okay, let's talk about fast foods. Uh, let's say now we have McDonald's increased cost. Um, Chick-fil-A has already done that. So Chick-fil-A is already paying at a rate that feels attractive. We haven't heard anything from Burger King yet. So if I am someone who knows I'm going to stay in or around the fast food industry, maybe it's while I'm going to school, getting a better job. Maybe it's because it's what I do well and I've been in it for a while. Whatever it is, I'm going to stay in or around working in the fast food industry. Where do you think I'm going to stay? Am I going to stay at Burger King where I've maybe gotten myself up to $12, $13 an hour? Or am I going to jump ship to a fast food restaurant that would pay me starting pay 15? But since I have experience, I might actually come in at 17 um, instead of 15, maybe 1650 or somewhere like that. So now what you're going to see, once again, we saw it after the pandemic and all of the, the craziness from the furloughs and the layoffs from the pandemic. But now you're going to see it again because why would I work for $12 an hour when I can take a fast food order on a very similar system for a different company and make $5 more? And that's why I think companies are like, what's going on? Why are people jumping ship? But it's like some of them can't afford it. And then others, I mean, how do you, how do you keep the dollar menu, the dollar menu if you continue to increase? Well, I mean, there's no question that that is going to have to change. I mean, at some point um, in in every business, I, I've yet to find the business, unless you're fully automated, I don't know if that exists. I've yet to find a business where labor isn't your highest cost of goods sold. Labor is always going to be one of your biggest buckets, right? And if you if you put more money in that labor bucket, you've got to compensate for that money at some point. My assumption, and maybe I shouldn't make this assumption, my assumption is that they're not willing to let their bottom line drop. I think that's a fair assumption on my part. So they're still going to want to make equal or more money year over year. But if you're paying out more in your biggest expense, then you either have to reduce supplies, equipment, machines, et cetera, or you have to increase the cost of the good sold. Yes. I know I'm making this sound like it's super, super simple, but it is. If you want to make $10 an hour, let's say you sell your product for $20 an hour, you want to make 10 off of it. That means you can only spend 10 to make it. And if you decide you're going to increase pay, which means now you make $13, means now you have to charge $23. I feel like we're on an episode of Shark Tank. <laughs> we're on an episode of Shark Tank. But I think 
you know, the issue lies and this and this is what's causing some of the great resignation, the great reshuffle. And it's not just compensation. At the end of the day, you're also seeing people go back to their previous companies because the grass isn't always greener on the other side. But I think the challenge is, you know, how do you fix the overall? I, I mean, like you said, it's it's simple and it's not, but it's more so like, okay, great. You have a ton of people to move over for a comp the people that are leaving organizations for a compensation reason, it's legitimate and it's a true problem. And sometimes everyone needs to put their heads together to figure out what's going on with inflation. And I think more companies that are publicizing their increase in costs are then creating some of the challenges, but also making it more publicly aware of what they're doing so that like, let's say McDonald's is doing the increase to 15, Amazon, we've seen all these companies increasing their minimum, you know, kind of entry points or the minimum wage, then they're publicizing it so other companies can start joining the bandwagon because people are going to want to go there. I, as an EMT, would rather go to McDonald's maybe and work. I don't know, maybe, I doubt it, but go to McDonald's and work for $15 an hour than dealing with the emotional distress of being an EMT for $15 an hour. So they're hoping that by publicizing, hey, inflation's going up, we've decided we're going to increase, you know, some of our uh, minimum wage, you know, to our workers as a result to help them live better, that they're hoping other people and other industries will continue growing. And that's the hope. And I'm hoping that continues. But as a result, your cost of goods, like you said, Michelle, if you're trying to make a $10 profit so that you can, you know, invest back into innovation for the future or, you know, different types of bonuses for your employees, whatever it may be, you're going to have to increase those, the cost of goods. Right. So here's where we are. Now, here's a reality. Some businesses are not financially in a position where they can do an across-the-board increase, including equity increases. It will be detrimental to their business. But the challenge now for you becomes, have you built enough loyalty with your employees that they're willing to struggle day-to-day in their lives so that they don't jump ship? And I have to tell you, I've been fortunate since, um, actually I've been fortunate for most of my career, but since 2004, I have worked in a department or in an area of the world that I was truly happy in. And that was HR, learning development, organizational development. So there were absolutely moments where my pay wasn't my driving factor, but I'm going to pause for a second when I say that. Because I actually remember, I remember talking to someone when I was going through a promotional process and I countered with what I wanted to make. And she was very honest with me. She was someone I'd known for a very long time. And she said, I'm going to be honest with you. That's outside of the pay range. I can't pay you that. And I said, okay, let's talk about what you can. And so I took less than what I wanted at that particular moment because I wanted that particular job in that department. Now, while I say that, I would like to say I was not working in a $12 an hour pay range. So it wasn't impossible for me to live comfortably 
at my pay. It just wasn't at the pay that I wanted, right? The reason I say that is to remind you that even if someone loves their job, they also love eating and having a roof over their head and knowing that their children have shoes and clothes. So ultimately, regardless of how much I may really love you as an employer, may admire you as a leader, if you are unable to allow me a lifestyle that is comfortable enough that I'm not struggling every day financially, I'm probably going to leave you. And I don't blame you. (laughs) Exactly. And so while it might be hard for you, when you crunch your numbers, you might, as an employer, you might be thinking to yourself, this is impossible. I need you for a split second to think about how impossible it's going to be in 18 months when you have no staff. Now, the truth is, that's not how it's going to happen. It's not going to be like one day you wake up and Maria, you and I have talked about this a lot as well. Here's what's going to happen, guys. And Maria and I like to pretend that that we can see into the future sometimes. Here's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to ignore those people who are making their increases public. They are basically, those people, whether you like those organizations or not, those businesses are taking a stand and they're saying, you're right, it's not enough. So I'm increasing pay. People can't live that way. It's unacceptable. They've, they've taken a stand. They've, they've told us where they, their beliefs are about starting pay, right? And let's say for a split second that you're like, well, okay, that's fine, but I can't do that. So you go on the other side of this. What's going to happen is you're going to lose people a little at a time. And every time you lose someone, it's going to be impossible for you to replace them because they can get $15 an hour at half of the fast food restaurants and half of the retailers in America. So you're not going to be able to get them because they're going to take their skill of customer service and their knowledge of the food industry and they're going to take it to someone else, right? So you're then going to have to put more expectations on the people that are left. And now you're going to start stressing them out. They're going to start working overtime. You're going to start paying them more anyway. Then you're going to have to start looking at things like cutting your hours because you don't have enough staff to fill it. Um, You're going to start losing your customers because the experience has changed dramatically because your employees can no longer care if the customer is happy. They're just lucky that they can get their food made and delivered to them while it's still warm, hoping that will be enough to keep them coming back. Um, because they don't have time to pause and greet and ask them about their day and all the other stuff because they're doing two people's job now instead of one. Now, those people are going to get burned out. They're going to realize they should have jumped ship six months earlier when their peers did. And now you're going to be in the same place struggling to fill roles. But here's what you're going to be 18 months later. You're going to be in a place where your quality, your experience, and your productivity suffer because no one there has experience or is trained. You're going to have lost your customer base because the level of customer service 
has diminished so dramatically. So even if halfway through this process, you decide maybe the world was right and I should have increased pay, you're going to have so much to dig out of. It's going to be like trying to dig your way out of a hole in the sand where the sand keeps falling back down on you because you're so deep already. Wow, that sounded really grim. <laughs> it does. So how? What, what's your advice for companies or HR or leaders facing this at the moment when they're, like you said, small mom and pop shops or something like that, right? How do we support the businesses going through this impact right now? Okay, so I would say my favorite thing is you've got to stop and you've got to collect some information, whether that is just answers to questions or data that you can pull in that comes from a factual place. You've got to start and look at things like, what is your current turnover? You've got to ask your current employees how they feel about their job. Someone is still with you. Ask them why. Do a state interview um, to find out why they stay. Actually, I probably even skipped a step. You might want to start and just ask yourself, Am I compensating appropriately based on the job that I'm doing and the businesses that are equivalent to mine? Here's why I say that. Because you cannot compare someone who works at the Gap to someone who is an EMT because they are different jobs. They should, in fact, pay differently. So look at businesses that are similar to yours or industries that are similar to yours and ask yourself, are we in the right place? Then start digging into, now that you've looked outside the world, start digging into the internal, kind of a SWOT analysis focused solely on your people and pay. Um, Because the two go hand in hand. Their opinions about pay impact what your pay ranges are. And your pay range may very well impact their opinion about your business. So doing kind of that SWOT analysis on the things that you're doing right, as well as where your weaknesses are. What is your current turnover? Have you had to fill positions recently? And how long did it take to fill them? What's the average fill time for an open position? If you're lucky enough, that you can ask some people that turn you down, why ask them? You'd be surprised how many people are willing to be honest with you when you are not responsible for their pay. I We've talked about this numerous times, how in climate surveys or exit interviews or state interviews, your employees tend to sugarcoat stuff. And they do that because you have direct control over the impact of their lives. Someone who turned you down and accepted a different job, they're not worried about what you could do to them. They, they went somewhere else already. So maybe they're willing to tell you. You've got to find out first if it even matters to you. It might not. I suspect it does, or you wouldn't have listened this far. And now the question becomes, what does that mean for your business? You need to bring in your finance department, but you need to bring in some HR professionals as well. And 
you can't bring that group together from the mindset of this is the way we've always done stuff. Um, You have to come in and just sort of establish out of the gate, what is your goal from this meeting or the brainstorming session? What you've done in the past may not work. So you may have to think differently. So you've got to come in united. It can't be that finance is worried about hitting a number because that's the only way they get their annual bonus is to hit a certain percentage. All of those preconceived notions of how they get rewarded have to be gone during the discussion so that you can start asking yourself, what is right for your business? And it may be right that you increase the cost of your services or your goods. But that also means that you better bring in customer feedback to make sure that whatever your good or service is, that your customers feel there's enough value in it for that increase or you could lose the customers. It really is a game of balancing. I suspect the companies that we've talked about here that have done across the board increases, we've only referred to major organizations like Amazon or Chick-fil-A or Costco or um, McDonald's that have done those things. They did not do it quickly. They did not make rash decisions. They hammered this out. They looked at all of the possible consequences, everything that could go wrong. They thought about the things we talked about earlier, which was that equity pay and how you balance ensuring that someone with experience in your business isn't being paid someone straight off, paid the same as someone straight off the street. They thought about all of those things and you're going to have to as well. Based on the number of employees and your annual revenue, as well as your annual profit, I would say it might not take you as long as it took a cost to figure this out, but it should take you more than a handful of conversations. Good. Yeah, no, I think uh, you're right, Michelle. I think people need to do their assessment on their own business. I think they need to do assessment on their internal equity. I think there's a number of different factors that you need to consider. And hopefully as 2022 goes on, we can help businesses overcome and overturn a lot of this. So if you need help, reach out to us and we will help you put a strategic plan together. So until next time, thanks everyone. Take care. Bye guys.